1: And What's up, what's up? He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. Running a moment late. It has already been a day, y'all. Um, you can tell when things are moving just at a normal pace. That means I have a little YouTube thing already set up ahead of time. I send out links ahead of time. It's all set up. It's all ready to go. Or then days like today, we just hit the go live button and, and that's that here. Um, luckily, we made it in. We do have a full show lined up. Uh, we are, of course, here on GC Live, brought to you by Affordable Medical Equipment. Check them out at medicalusa.com, 803-926-1493, home of the game day chair. Get you a game day chair for Christmas. Ask your significant other to buy you a game day chair for Christmas. would be a great present to get ready for the new year, maybe watching some Gamecock basketball, watching some Gamecock baseball when it comes around, and you'll be all set up to watch some Gamecock football next year. Um, I've, uh, I'm going to try to let everybody sort of get in because we didn't have that um, sort of preset embed video out there yet. So I think it, it might take the numbers a second to get in here. But, Chris, uh, while I'm setting these links, do you want to go ahead and tell folks? Let's go ahead and, and get it out of the way. Let's tell everybody about the game day chair and uh, what they can get at deadsoxy.com.
2: Yeah, lots to talk about today on the show. So let's go ahead and tell everyone about our great sponsors. Like Wes said, the Game Day Chair from AffordableMedicalUSA.com, or you can give those guys a call, 803-926-1493. The fine folks over at Affordable Medical Equipment can hook you up with the Game Day Chair, which is basically thought of as just the most, uh, simply the most comfortable recliner uh, in a very high-tech recliner, variety of positions, lay flat, zero gravity, lounge position the tv watching position just a variety of positions all at the touch of a button links are in the youtube description if you're with us on youtube make sure you click through make sure you check out the game day chair like wes said ask your significant other your mom your dad your kids whatever age you are ask them for a game day chair and while you're lounging in the tv lounging uh watching position there make sure that you have on your pair of dead Soxy socks It's cold outside. Make sure you have on your Dead Soxy socks like I do. D E A D S O X Y dot And you can use the pro, the code rather, holidaypro. Holiday Pro is your code on deadsoxy.com to get 35% off your entire order. Go check out their new products that they've got. Uh, some new stuff coming out that's a little bit more Gamecock centric, a little bit more geared towards Gamecock fans, but some really cool stuff. The boardroom dress sock line, the no show socks. With the new slip technology, Wes and I both support Dead Soxy Socks. They rule, so make sure you check them out. And we appreciate both of their uh, support, Affordable Medical USA and DeadSoxy.com. Yeah, they
1: they make the show possible. I'm going to throw a real quick nine paid for shout out to my friends at Crave uh, Marketplace. I had an amazing lunch that I just smashed down right (laughs) before we went on the show. It's been a day, and if you think that the news has stopped because South Carolina has hired a coach, you would be incorrect, which is a good thing. Really, it's a good thing for all of us because I I do enjoy my job. I like to stay busy, and I like the fact we have something to actually talk about because it's way easier to hang out. It's way easier to have content that is meaningful and that people want to read about. So no complaints, but it, it has been crazy. and it appears, so Chris, I would say if if day one was about getting settled, introduction to the team, day two was about maybe um, finishing up with staff, of course, media-type stuff with the press conference and starting to head into recruiting, I would say as we've turned the, the page to day th- three and four, it seems like recruiting has hit that sort of hyperdrive point where Beamer is sort of – reaching out to all the committed guys and starting to sort of get back in with the guys at South Carolina. Maybe was recruiting a little bit before and, and sort of doing everything he can to kind of hit the ground running before the start of the early signing period because, dude, it starts one week from today. So yeah. very little time there, very little uh, time to sort of settle in. You have to at least have a plan going into this next week. But Bef- But before we get into all that, I want to get into what is probably – the most uh, talked about controversy on Twitter this morning. And I believe you posted a, uh, what was it? A Steve Harvey gif um, with him looking very um, family feud. Oh yeah. Yes. Very concerned about an answer probably on family feud. We are very concerned about the fact that you like everyone's favorite running back on this show. And I got to say Gamecock Rush, Gamecock Russ has been beating the drum for the bus probably well before anybody else, being, of course, Kevin Harris, not making the Doak Walker Award finalist list after being an absolute stud for the Gamecocks this year. Leads the SEC, I believe, in rushing. He's like top five nationally. We don't say bad words on this show
2: because we like to keep it clean. But, Chris, what the... Yeah, so the answer to what the is still not known, but I do have a little bit more on the process that hopefully is going to help. And I'll tell you what, guys, y'all are getting a little bit of a bonus today. One of the many reasons that Wes, Wes looks very intrigued by this um, one of the, one of the many reasons that we are late for the show is I was just hanging up the phone from some calls to try to dig on this a little bit. When things like this happen, one part of our job is to try to dig for you and try to figure out what's going on. And so that's what we did. So here's sort of what happened. Um, preseason, I think in July, if I'm not mistaken, there is a, a watch list for the Doak Walker award. I don't, I can't remember how many people are on it. Pretty big list. It eventually gets trimmed down. Right. And then you can nominate people during the season. Okay. So to where um, there are uh, candidates is what they call them. And so if you go to the Doak Walker award candidates website right now, you'll see um, you won't see the winner yet since it, you'll, you'll see the semi-finalists. Right. And it's 10 guys. And below that, you'll see a big long list. I think it's 70-something people with Doak Walker Award candidates. Kevin Harris is not on that list. And I think that's what a lot of people are going. Why is is Kevin Harris not on that list? I've I've had the same question. You know, not only the semifinalists, but even the candidates list. Well, that is because the website has not been updated yet. He was considered. I'm told that he was considered. by the board of the Doak Walker Award. Kevin Harris was in the discussions during the season. He did get an official candidacy nomination during the season. It's completely fair that he wasn't on there preseason, right? Like nobody saw this coming. Um, But he was on there. The website just wasn't updated in time. But it is true that he did not make the cut to the 10 semifinalists. So... It's not because he wasn't on the preseason list. That's not a prerequisite, I confirmed with the Dope Walker people. You do not have to be on the preseason list to end up being a semifinalist, a candidate, a semifinalist, or even the winner. But you do have to be discussed. You do have to be a candidate. And so that did happen eventually. Now, why did a guy who's, like you said, Wes, the credentials of Kevin Harris, why did he not make the 10 semifinalists? that's something that the people can continue to argue, but I hope that does clear up a little bit about, you know, the actual selection process and how this whole thing played out. Yeah, man. So, um,
1: so yeah, there was, as you just said, Chris, I know people are maybe catching up cause we're a little bit behind um, as far as what the, the chat is, but, yeah, so the preseason list did exist, but he did not have to be on it, as Chris just said. And I, I think that's a that's a great clarification. Because that was my assumption. It was, well, maybe you have to be on some earlier list. I don't know. But then it asked the question of how who who's on this board and what are their requirements? What are they looking at? Because it would be one thing if it was like a clerical error or some, you know, some logistical thing where it just didn't work out. But they watched him play and he still didn't make it. He was eligible to make it and he still didn't make it. That sort of gives, uh, I don't know, that, to me, that, <laughs> I, know this, I don't know how long this award's been around. I know it's a, a pretty prestigious award. It takes away a little bit of their credibility, if you ask me.
2: muted I, I hit it while I was talking that time literally I was trying to click on something this hit it I, I'm tired so you know I, I, the, look the guys on this list I don't know all of them I know many of them and they're really good I mean you're talking about ETN and Brees Hall Najee Harris I mean Jarrett Patterson scored like 42 touchdowns in a game the other day no it was eight I think or nine whatever Javante Williams Kyron Williams from North Carolina and Notre Dame These guys are outstanding. I know them. But you do feel like Kevin Harris, come on, you know. Now, I don't know the records of these schools. Did Kevin Harris get docked a little bit because of a 2-18? Maybe. I didn't get any insight into, you know, why he wasn't a guy. That's just – those are the discussions. I spoke to someone who was on a lot of these calls to figure out – you know, what exactly, um, the process was, but it's, it's still at the end of the day, Wes, it's a subjective process, you know? So, and I haven't compared, I haven't gone through and looked at, um, you know, the preseason list. And if there are any guys that weren't on the preseason list and ended up as candidates or semifinalists, I haven't even gone through, haven't had time to go through and look at that. But, um, the thing to know is it's not like they didn't consider Kevin, I was told that they did consider him before and after he was like officially nominated, but he did not make the cut to the 10 semifinalists. So was he snubbed? Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. Um, look at this. I snuff. guess it is what it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, that was a good yeah, one. Justin that's says, whoever doesn't vote for Kevin should have to try and tackle him. Um, and Michael wants to tell us how much smarter he is than us. Um, ten games later, at the end of the season. Um, so, all right, do, do do we stick with the Kevin Harris deal, or do we uh, do we move forward here?
2: I think you know, honestly, man. I've said my look. I've I've said what I know about how the process played out, and I think if we continued talking about it, it would probably basically be spinning our wheels on Kevin Harris should probably be on that list of 10 guys. And mm-hmm. then we could just sit here and talk about it and just you know, continue to drive that point home. Maybe compare stats on other guys. I think we've sort of set our piece on that. You know, that's where I'm at with it.
1: Yep. So, um, all right. And, and I, dude, I, I think the, the two win season has got to be a factor in that has to, has to, um, you know, and, and the fact that he just wasn't – no, I, I do – I mean, I do think the name – yes, his name did not carry a lot of weight preseason, but it seemed to me like he very quickly, because he had some really long, nice runs that became highlights, um, his his name sort of quickly took off, uh, I feel like. And the fact that he had multiple – Where did he have, five 100-yard games, I think. So the, all that stuff. He, he quickly sort of became a little bit more of a name, I, I think, for, for SEC people at least. But I don't know. It still doesn't make sense. But there's, I guess, nothing we can do about it at this point. Let's talk a little bit more about Beamer hitting the recruiting trail and basically what that means. And I think, Chris, something you and I have sort of been gathering information on would be what should fans expect next week? What should you expect from the early signing period recruiting-wise? What should you expect from the February signing period recruiting-wise? And what should you expect from uh, the off-season recruiting-wise? And I think it's important for us to set the expectations correctly in saying that you're not going to have some huge signing day push as far as numbers between now and next week but before we get into that we're actually going to be joined now by a very special guest um we put this together at the last second uh carrie give me a thumbs up down there if you're ready to roll um we're gonna bring in carrie murdoch who actually covers oklahoma on our oklahoma rival site he's gonna he's uh gonna join us here to talk a little bit about shane beamer and what he has meant to the oklahoma program carrie appreciate the time man how you doing today
0: what is this device that I'm What is this newfangled machine that I'm speaking into?
1: <laughs> you are live on uh, StreamYard. Um, it is sort of like Zoom, but a little bit different. I guess I'm
0: making in some money on this. I need a piece of this action.
1: Yeah, it's $25 a month. We'll get you all this and more.
2: Um, I need but, a game day uh, chair. Well, yeah. that, that's how, how much is a game day chair, Chris? <laughs> well, it's more than 25 a month, but maybe not with financing. Um, I think yeah. they finance it, but Carrie, I know you would be down for a game day chair for your man cave, so check it out. You can order it. I think they shipped to. Oklahoma. I am,
0: I am spending more games on the couch for the first time ever this year, so that kind of sucks. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. 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 it's it, it's, it's been weird.
0: Drinking.
1: Yeah, weird for everybody. Um, Carrie, of course, with uh, Soonerscoop.com. dot um, Tell us, man. So, were you surprised, or, or I guess as this process went on? Early on, did you think Shane Beamer was going to be a major candidate for this? Or, or from the Oklahoma perspective, how did this sort of um, courting of Beamer and stuff play out from y'all's end?
0: Well, I mean, to be honest, you know, I, I really looked at you and, and Chris and what you guys were, were talking about on your message boards. Um, you know, as much as Shane has been here in a big part of the program, uh, in, in terms of Lincoln Riley and how he runs his program, you don't really get any access to assistance. You don't get to interview them. Uh, you only get to interview the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. And then when your head coach is the offensive coordinator, uh, you're screwed. So, you know, you just get to interview Alex. Schertz, the so, you know, I would say we have had a handful of media opportunities over the years with Shane. Um, certainly, if there was going to be a coach that you could kind of develop some type of relationship with, it it would have been him, just a very personable guy. So you knew he was a climber though. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you don't leave Georgia and come to Oklahoma. It was obvious he was wanting to kind of pick Lincoln's brain and find out some more about the offensive side of the football. Uh, And so it was only a matter of time. And obviously with his name, his family name uh, you knew that, you know, uh, I think Old Dominion, maybe a year ago, he was in the mix for that job. Uh, so his name had been out there a little bit. So you knew it was only a matter of time until somebody came after him.
2: Kerry, so tell us a little bit about Beamer's, you know, role out there. We know that obviously he was someone that uh, was at Georgia under Kirby Smart and then Lincoln, you know, one offseason season gave him an opportunity to, to go out to Norman. Shane talked about that some at the press conference the other day, but, you know, I know Lincoln did a, a media availability after he was hired and talked about why he hired Beamer. Take us back to that, you know, through the process about, you know, maybe why Lincoln Riley wanted to hire him and then maybe just some of the characteristics and qualities that you guys have seen from him, just from observing and knowing what you do about the program about Beamer.
0: Well, obviously, he was, you know, running special teams at Georgia. Uh, they had just played Georgia. I mean, that's the funny thing. They just played Georgia in the college football playoff game, that overtime classic, uh, and lost. And then Shane Beamer uh, left to come to Oklahoma. And, a lot, you know, big part of it was special teams. Uh, but a big part, like I said, was just kind of wanting to learn from Lincoln Riley, learn more about his offense. And uh, I know there's been rumors out there about maybe hiring Garrett Riley uh, to come in to be his offensive coordinator. But, you know, I, I just think that, that was something attractive to him. And and obviously, uh, Shane Beamer, while he was in Oklahoma, uh, certainly made the program better through recruiting, through special teams. Uh, he, he brought a new area of the country into play for Oklahoma. Although Lincoln Riley had been out, you know, in, in East Carolina, so he knew some of the, uh, you know, high schools and names and faces. Uh, but certainly, you know, the Beamer name carries a lot of weight with it in, in recruiting circles, especially in Virginia. So. Um, yeah, I, I just think it was – it's one of those things. It was a synergy. It was it was good for Oklahoma. It was good for Shane Beamer. Uh, and, you know, it, it helped raise his profile as a coach. That, you know, you want to be somewhere you're either a defensive assistant for one of the best or you're a, an offensive assistant for one of the best. And I, I just think that was probably something that Shane couldn't turn down was being a, a Lincoln Riley assistant on offense.
1: Kerry, so we um, we hear out here that obviously – Shane has been very impressed with with Lincoln Riley and that offense and how he runs things. And as you said, part of the reason he went out there was to sort of get, a, get some time under another coaching tree. And so I don't want our fans out here to think that you can just clone the results Oklahoma's getting. Um, you know, it, it's obviously talent's got to be a part of it, personnel. But you get to see Lincoln Riley's offense every single week. I think they've led the country in like yards per play or way up there the last three or four years. What, what is it about this offense other than just having some really good players? What is it about this offense that has stood out to you as far as what makes it so successful? And um, how how much of that is just that Lincoln Riley as a play caller has a knack for things versus things that can actually be cloned from a scheme standpoint, you think?
0: I mean, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, You know, you, you don't, Lincoln Riley became Lincoln Riley because of Baker Mayfield. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you had to have players that could run that. system. So, I mean, he came in, uh, he had a lot of NFL talent at his fingertips. I mean, he had D.D. Westbrook, he had Sterling Shepard, he had Baker Mayfield, he had Orlando Brown. I mean, uh, you know, Mark Andrews, all these guys. I mean, you look down a list of offensive players that Lincoln Riley had in his first two or three years, even the offensive linemen. I mean, uh, those guys, you know, all in the NFL pretty much still, um, just, it went hand in hand, but Lincoln certainly, you know, is a wizard uh, coming up with game plans and uh, play calls and doing things that just make you, you know, kind of shake your head. Uh, he had a play against Oklahoma state this year. Uh, Spencer Rattler was lined up in shotgun, just kind of shifted over. Nobody really knew to, noticed. They s- actually snapped it to the running back who then handed it off to Rattler who faked a reverse uh, and ended up throwing a pass for a touchdown. Uh, and we, you know, they tried that play before and nobody could remember that they tried it cause it didn't work. Uh, but it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, he comes up with a play like that and he's like, Oh, we ran that before. I mean, you guys have seen that. And we're like, no, you just do a bunch of really strange crap and we don't remember it from game to game. Uh, so yeah, there's a big part of Lincoln's fingerprints that are on that, but you know, Garrett you know, has done a good job at SMU this year. Uh, I think they're in the top 25 offenses in the country. Um, of course they've got Shane Bouchelle as their quarterback the Texas transfer. That's a good quarterback, but I mean, that's the thing, uh, Shane Beamer to me, as long as he attracts a really good quarterback, uh, you know, uh, or has someone that he can, you know, make successful right off the bat. That's, you know, that's the first challenge offensively is, is you've got to find that trigger man, uh, that can be able to do it at a high level, uh, and can run your offense and then all that other stuff, the play calling and, You know, using H-backs and tight ends and integrating the run game and, uh, you know, all that stuff that's, you know, not really window dressing, but it's just, uh, it adds more to the menu. You have to start with that quarterback. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. If Lincoln Riley didn't have Baker Mayfield, uh, maybe, you know, he's not considered, you know, the guy he is today.
2: Yeah, I wonder so you mentioned earlier Lincoln saying, Hey, we ran that play before and nobody really remembering. Does he still is he keeping up his pace of the photographic memory on the plays still?
0: Yeah, they they still do that on his coach's show every week, and he, he barely ever misses. So and and they they're really digging deep into the archives now. They're going with like second down on you know a play halfway through the third quarter that was a three and out and stuff like that. I mean, it's just ridiculous.
2: That's crazy. I So I remember, you know, East Carolina when Lincoln was there, they played South Carolina, I don't know, a couple of times probably when he was there. And I don't remember the year. It's fairly early, um, several years ago. But I actually interviewed him when he was at East Carolina. And you could sort of tell then, you know, that he was going to be a guy that was really sharp and had a chance to be a really good coach. What – obviously the, the transition was sort of natural. Like that was a natural progression to go from – Stoops to Lincoln Riley and obviously you mentioned the personnel the situation he walked into was a pretty good one but what in your mind are some of the characteristics just personality traits maybe or how he runs his program that you know have helped him become so successful and what can Shane Beamer maybe take away because he has mentioned how much of an influence he's been.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Shane Beamer never really got to work with Bob Stoops, and Lincoln really runs a lot of his program like Bob Stoops did. And uh, some things, you know, different, obviously. He, he's more, you know, a, a guy that reaches out through social media, uh, that does a lot of, uh, you know, innovative things recruiting-wise that I think, uh, you know, Shane Beamer saw. And, and I would imagine Shane Beamer will make his recruiting staff uh, a really big priority there. Uh, It's South Carolina uh, and and do it in a way that, you know, is current, that, that attracts, you know, the attention of, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds now. Uh, But really, that's the biggest difference, you know, and I think the thing that, you know, people that worked under Lincoln Riley understand is recruiting is one of your biggest responsibilities. And it, doesn't trump everything that you do in the program, but it's ever present. It's, it's more important than media obligations. It's more important than, um, uh, you know, probably booster obligation obligations other than, you know, practicing during the week and game day. I'm not so sure that Lincoln Riley doesn't put recruiting, you know, number two on his priority list of things that he has to do each and every day as a head coach of Oklahoma. uh,
1: Carrie, this is maybe a stretch of a question, but, um, just being that Garrett Riley is Lincoln's brother, do y'all uh, do, do you know anything else about Garrett Riley that that you've heard or seen, or or personally any insight you could give us? I know out here it's sort of just been you know he was at App State, I guess for for a minute uh, is out at FMU. I've maybe watched a little bit of their games or something, but I don't know if we have a whole lot of insight on him yet. Other than that, he's. Lincoln's bro, basically.
0: <laughs> well, and he was at KU, too, so he's been part of a Power 5 program um, before he became the offensive coordinator. He was with David Beatty at KU. Uh, I believe quarterback's coach uh, was his position there. So uh, he has seen, you know, big-time football. Um, he's played against Oklahoma. He's played against Texas. He's he's played against Oklahoma State. So um, he would understand, you know, what it takes to succeed at that level. Uh, and now that he's at SMU, I mean, you know, Having Shane Boussel as a quarterback, uh, uh, I I don't really know. I mean, they've got good talent. I mean, they're a pretty decent Mm. team for a group of five school. Um, And, you know, to be handed the reins like that, I mean, he's a play caller. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Lincoln Riley was never a play caller until Mike Leach got fired at Texas Tech back in, what was it, 2010? I think it was. Uh, And then they were playing the Alamo Bowl that year. uh, and, And Leach got fired you know, as they were getting ready to play the Alamo Bowl, and all of a sudden, Ruff McNeil became the interim head coach, and he named Lincoln Riley the play caller. That's the first time he ever called plays, and then he went to ECU, uh, and, and obviously built a, a really big reputation there, and, and had, you know, some of the best numbers in the country uh, offensively. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of times guys just need that chance, and you know, I it is it is interesting that Shane Beamer has not, you no know, called plays. He's he's mm-hmm. he's never. Been a coordinator on either side of the ball uh but you know being around as much football as he he has he understands you know what makes those guys successful being around lincoln riley uh he, he's got to understand you know I, I would think that he he got a really good appreciation for what made him so good uh and, and you know if he is really looking at garrett riley i i would say <laughs> you know um you probably couldn't ask for, you know, a, a, a better photocopy uh, than, you know, uh, what you'd get with him.
2: Last thing I got for you, Kerry, is going to the Garrett Riley possibility. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how they structure the staff on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously you could yeah. do it different ways, but a lot of people go to, well, what spots are there? I know, you know, Garrett at SMU coaches quarterbacks as Lincoln mm-hmm. does, right? Um, but Garrett's got experience at other positions. Is it right? Tell us the staff breakdown. I don't expect
0: well, it is. He still keeps it with the standard air raid background. So if you do any research, like how Mike Leach has had his coaching staff, uh, and that's the thing. It's like you have kind of uh, you know, if you say that Lincoln Riley is the general, then you have some lieutenants, and then you have uh, you know the players of the prize, however you want to term that. But it starts with Lincoln Riley, the offensive coordinator, play caller. Uh, and then kind of your second command is your eye in the sky, which he'll be a position coach like Dana Holgerson was Mike Leach's eye in the sky when he was at Texas tech. And that allowed him to move on to Houston and then Oklahoma state, uh, and then West Virginia, uh, as, as a head coach, but that launched his career being that eye in the sky guy. Now, Kel Gundy is that guy and has been for Lincoln Riley since he arrived at Oklahoma. And he's also an inside receivers coach. Uh, and then they have two receivers coach, Dennis Simmons. Uh, coaches the outside, Cale uh, Gundy coaches the inside. Uh, Shane Beamer had the H-backs uh, role, and then tight ends kind of got integrated into that. Then they had a running backs coach, um, which is DeMarco Murray, uh, just started last year. Uh, so that's kind of how it, it breaks down. But uh, that eye in the sky really is, uh, for an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, it's a guy that you trust. It's a guy that uh, you you need to call out personnel quickly, personnel groupings. Uh, so you know what you're facing before you call your plays, really lets you kind of, as an offensive coordinator, lets you kind of like you're a computer that, that gets him all the information so he can make an informed uh, play call. It,
1: it's it's interesting. All the all the air raid guys seem to structure with that inside receivers and outside receivers. Mm-hmm. Coach, that's something um, I'm trying to think back. I don't think South Carolina's, at least since I've been covering them, had that structure at all. Are Are the inside – I mean, is it that much of a difference in – the techniques with the inside guys versus outside guys or has, has Lincoln Riley ever given much of an explanation or insight on, on why they do prefer to structure it that way?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it's mainly because of the whole game day setup that, that it really helps them to have one of those guys, usually the inside receivers coach is the eye in the sky on game day. That's because okay. the outside guy uh, can kind of handle all the game day duties of inside you know, slots or Y's or Z's or X's or whatever. Um, So, uh, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, but, but also it's just, you know, they, Texas tech, they didn't really you know put as much emphasis on a tight end position, although they did have, uh, tight ends over the years. So, uh, you know, I think Lincoln kind of not broke the mold, but he's even hinted like now that Shane is gone, he might restructure things even differently. So he might be thinking of, uh, readjusting how the air raid, you know, staff has always been.
1: Interesting. You, uh, you good over there, Chris? Yeah, man, appreciate
2: the time, Kerry, very much. Thanks for joining yeah. us on short notice too. Which is yeah, Kerry, we appreciate it, man. I know y'all are busy. Um, well, great insight.
0: Do, yeah, you guys do a great job uh, over there. We've always respected you guys over at Sooner Scoop, and uh, I know you guys have a subscriber base. And uh, good luck uh, throughout this process. I know there's going to be a lot of long nights, but it should be a lot of fun. And I know your subscribers will really, uh, uh, really appreciate all the work you guys put into it.
1: Same, same man. We really appreciate that and uh y'all uh, y'all enjoy signing day and enjoy your holidays, okay man?
0: All right, guys. Thanks a lot.
1: All right, yep. That's Kerry Murdoch. Go check him out, sinnerscoop.com, Rivals Oklahoma site. Um dude, Chris, that was like done on a whim, but I I'm glad we did that. Uh, some good insight there. And and I'll I I guess not preface, but I'll say this after the fact. We don't know if if Garrett Riley is necessarily going to be the guy necessarily in the mix, but it made sense since he had some insight on him for us to go ahead and ask the, the structure of the staff though is an interesting tidbit because Mm -hmm. we do know for a fact, I'll, I'll have something with um, South Carolina receiver commit Omega Blake. And I also talked to Colton Gothier's dad today as well. I'll have some stuff from him and, Chris, the thing we we knew this, we had mentioned this, but it's sort of being solidified based on the information is that Beamer really does want to, in many ways, sort of try to emulate the approach from Oklahoma. And now I say that I think we have to give, uh, we have to throw this thought in there as well. Beamer on Monday also said, "Hey, you have to you have to match you know your what your play con is to your current." um to your current uh, personnel yep. right yep. so what beamer wants to do we talked about this yesterday short time short term versus long term what beamer wants to do in year 3 may not match what they need to do in year 1 mm-hmm. so that could change you know clearly but it does seem like the Oklahoma approach in a general sense is maybe what you can expect from the offense with wrinkles probably from what Beamer likes and probably from what whoever his OC is likes. Point being that would be interesting to see. Is there, you know, is there a inside receivers, outside receivers? What um what position does Shane Shane Beamer's coached every position that exists almost? What position does he sort of grab? Does he Is he the special teams guy, or does he want a separate special teams guy? Um, does he have a special teams guy, but he's still very involved? That That's my guess, by the way. Complete guess. Right. I think he'll bring in a special – because if special teams are that important, which they will be, I could see him bring in a special teams coordinator but still being very, very involved. Um, right now we're speculating, obviously. But I it'll be interesting to see, do they match that whole – Inside receivers, outside receivers deal, because that's something we've not seen. We have not seen that structure here, but all the air raid guys seem to do it.
2: Yeah, and that creates a lot of questions. You know, and and obviously we, we don't know. We're not sitting here reporting, hey, they're they're definitely going the route of Garrett. We don't know yet. We'll report on that if if we hear that and if it's confirmable. But we're in a hypothetical scenario, if if you're running that system. Unless I'm mistaken, I have never seen an instance, and Carrie and discussed it too earlier, you know, all these guys structure it like that. They all have, like, the two receivers coaches. And so you don't see that. It Really, uh, not, I'm not aware of any other system that you really do it that way. So then you've got O-line, and then maybe you have tight ends, and you have inside receivers and outside receivers and a running back, and then you've got a quarterback's coach and O.C. Well, quarterback's coach in O.C. at Oklahoma is obviously, you know, Lincoln Riley, whereas it would not be uh, Shane Beamer here. If you look up, let's look this up, Wes. So the SMU football staff, I was going to say roster, they have a head coach who's Dykes. Um, They have – now, Sonny Dykes, obviously, very experienced in his call plays, you know, even as a head coach. But they have Garrett Riley as the OC quarterbacks. They have a co-OC offensive line. They have – oh, okay, here's one thing. They have one wide receivers coach at so they don't – they don't do not realize that. I thought I looked it up the other day and they had one. So they do have one. It is David Grew, and he is the wide receivers coach. So Garrett Riley has broken that mold, which I didn't realize. We're sitting here talking about it, and he has broken that mold apparently with the inside-outside receivers. Unless the only, only other thing I can think of, man, is if they have a guy that, you know, doesn't have that in his title – But just, you know, yeah, yeah. But it it looks like David Grew coaches all the receivers for Garrett Riley. So you could structure it that way if you wanted, it appears.
1: Yeah. And it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit different. You do, in their case, basically with with Oklahoma, with Lincoln, he, you know, he's the OC. So it's sort of, there's an extra spot on the offensive side, basically. Whereas you would, you would, if you did that at South Carolina, you would almost have to go unbalanced offense versus defensive coaches, or you know, I don't think this will be the case. Or you'd have to balance it where like Shane Beamer would coach tight ends or something because he has experience with it. So I, um, I don't know. It, that that will be an interesting. As I said yesterday, it's like putting together a puzzle. That would be interesting to see how those pieces come together. Um. Okay, before Kerry jumped on, I was about to talk about what to expect for recruiting going forward. And, Chris, I think, again, I'll say the words expectations. Don't expect a huge recruiting class for South Carolina one week from today. They are not going to take guys, and this is for multiple reasons, but the the biggest reasons are they're not going to take guys just to take them. You can't fill these spots with with bodies. And you have to give yourself flexibility because there will be people, there will be prospects that wait until February. You will have more time to jump in and make some headway with those guys than you do with the, the kids who are signing in a week. And if you're going to hit the transfer market, which we've talked about, South Carolina absolutely will do that, assuming they can get the right guys, which I think they can. South Carolina will hit the transfer market. So if you're going to hit the transfer market, Chris, that counts towards your 25 per year as well. So the last thing, the worst thing South Carolina could do would be to take too many kids now, then have some transfer that could help you right away Mm -hmm. and not have a scholarship available for them. So, go ahead. There, there will be people that don't read our content. There will be people that don't watch our show. There are people on Twitter that don't pay as much attention who get upset next Wednesday that South Carolina only signs 10 guys or something like that, just to throw a round number out there. But that's all by design, I think, is something that we need to go ahead and all accept right now.
2: Yeah. And the strategy makes sense, you know, so you're sort of I don't, stuck is a bad word. It's too strong, but you're in a position where obviously there's holes on the roster. Right. And So you don't want to go through recruiting class and maybe only sign, you know, 10 guys, period. Like you don't want to do that. But we don't anticipate that happening. You know, you've got to balance between filling out your roster from a numbers standpoint while also getting players that can help you. The, the holes that are on this roster need to be filled with guys that next season can help, number one. And with the position they're in, they're going to have to strike a balance between high school guys who you can develop long-term, although some could play next year, junior college guys, and then transfers from the portal. Now, the portal, as we've discussed, can be a crapshoot for sure, just like recruiting can um, in the high school or junior college ranks. But you do have to bank on trying to get some guys out of there. That's going to be your best-case scenario. And like you said, Wes, if you fill up – and they used twenty spots on on Wednesday. Number one, you definitely wouldn't be getting quality players in this instance with all twenty because it's mm-hmm. just not, and it's not realistic. And then you're really um, mortgaging your future in terms of getting it to February and then getting hitting the transfer market. So you balance all that. It's a tough balancing act, no doubt about it. But it is a, a line that they have to walk, and it makes sense to do. You know to. Take that strategy and take that approach.
1: Uh, I mentioned this at some point this week. Rutgers, who I know generally uh, sort of mimicking Rutgers is not always the best idea in football, but they have they've turned things around much quicker as far as being competitive than anybody thought. They yeah. took 10 transfers this offseason. Um, the South Carolina load up with 10 transfers, I would get I would go under on that bet, but Does South Carolina load up on some transfers potentially? If it's the right guys, absolutely. Arkansas took five, two two of them contributing, but one of them is their starting quarterback. He's hurt right now, Felipe Franks, but he has been their starting quarterback. So if you can get impact guys and depth guys from the portal, it makes sense. And you're actually going to have a situation, Chris, where a lot of the portal guys, even uh, that would have been grad transfers, a lot of them will come in now with two years instead of one. If it was somebody that would have been leaving after this season as a grad transfer, because this year didn't count. So mm-hmm. you could get two years out of some kids as opposed to one, which I think obviously could be an advantage for, for anybody, not just South Carolina it could be advantage for anybody that takes advantage of it. Uh, let's see 17 M views. I wish we had 17 million views says, um, I don't think South Carolina has thought about JUCO options yet. Actually, they have. Um, In fact, I would say, Chris, other than the high school kids South Carolina has already known about and already sort of had as as primary targets, I'm sure maybe a guy or two will emerge for next week. But from what we've seen so far publicly, the offers that have gone out, it has been a primary JUCO approach for Mm -hmm. South Carolina heading towards next Wednesday.
2: It is because, you know, JUCOs right now are some of your newer names. Now, some of them were already on the radar, like an Isaiah Norris, for instance, It was Beamer's first offer that we know of, right? A, an Anderson native from my alma mater, T.L. Hanna, uh, and now at Georgia Military, and a guy that the previous staff, you know, knew about and recruited too, but Beamer pulled the trigger when he got in to, to his post as head coach. So you got him, you got receiver Quay Davis was one that they offered. Jamory Robinson's an edge rusher type of guy that they're in on. A lot of the guys that you're going to see, look, they're going to take another look at high school guys, but a lot of the high school guys are, A, your commitments right now, the core guys that you have committed, and then B, you're going to look at a lot of guys, whether it's carrying into December or into February, a lot of guys that are already on your high school radar anyway, you know, with the existing staff, Beamer can come in, go over those things and say, hey, who do we already have? You know, who's familiar with South Carolina? Who's familiar with us? And you can take a look and go from there. And maybe you're looking at some flips. You're looking at a guy like Bryce Steele, who was a commitment. Now with Boston College, you take a swing at him. There's going to be a lot of guys that they take a swing on, whether it's for Wednesday or for February, that they already have existing relationships with. And then you are going to go in with a few new guys. But some of these junior college guys, you you may have an early enrollee or two out of that bunch, or you may have some guys that would prefer to go ahead and sign in December, even if they don't enroll in um, until May. Yeah, I'm. I'm
1: curious to see what happens there. I think um, we're we're gonna have some more on, on this on uh, the insiders Forum here shortly. We've um, we're kind of at that point, frankly, Chris, where I feel like we've gathered so much information, we've got to now try to figure out how to actually put it out there so everybody watching right now can read it. But we will try to get that stuff out here soon. If you're not a subscriber on GamecockCentral.com, come on. Over, 30-day free trial. Use the code GC Pod. If you already sort of know that you want to sign up, you don't want a free trial, you can actually just sign up with the code GAMECOX and you'll get uh, basically your first year for $50, 50% off. So come on over, give us a shot. We've got a lot of momentum as a site. We've had, I mean, I don't know what the site looked like 10 years ago, but we've had, I would say, record signups in the last month or so as far as the number of people getting on. So hopefully if you're out there and you have not, given it a shot yet come on over give us a try i think you'll love it um john on facebook said spurrier said in the past that scholarships aren't good for one season if the players aren't producing they may need to pay their own way and hang around as a walk-on that approach is dated though can't do it anymore south carolina has basically
2: what is it called uh, chris the carolina Gamecock, promise demcock student athlete promise i think is what it's called
1: yeah if if you're here you're here Although there are there are going to be there are going to be people that transfer out. Um, the problem the problem right now I don't want to say the problem, but the the rule that South Carolina has to pay attention to is the twenty five rule mm-hmm. that you can only bring in twenty five in a given year. So even if guys transfer out, which some people will transfer out, and that's fine. That's part of that's part of rebuilding a roster it's not going to be an issue with the 85 at all. The issue is you have to stay under 25 per year as far as what you can bring in. And and South Carolina has already counted forward to this 25. Several guys from last year, you look at the kicker, the punter, you look at Jalen Brooks, um, you look at Adam Prentice, those guys have already counted forward.
2: Yep. Yeah, so again, that's more of that balancing act. You do remember – that you don't, you know, people are looking at it. Like you said, man, Is okay. 25 guys load up. We need all 25 guys understand that approach, but also understand that because of, you know, guys that you've already brought into the program, you are down a few numbers. And so um, that adds to it a little bit, that balancing act that we talked about of, of trying to balance getting talent in needing spots, but being smart about it. You know, this is obviously right now. It's sort of a frantic process, right? Early signing day right around the corner but you know you do have to understand and bear in mind there that y- you don't have to rush to the finish line you're not going to hit probably not going to hit on all your high school targets whether it's december or february just because of the circumstances you know it's a new coaching staff some of the guys that you do want to swing on have already committed to other places and it may be hard to get those it's just the reality of the situation so be patient try to make the best of the situation, get the best players you possibly can. And in order to do that, you're going to have to hold some slots forward and be smart with it from a numbers standpoint.
1: All right, we'll hit a couple of questions, then we're going to get out of here because we got some content we got to produce on Gamecock Central. Greg asked, is the transfer portal immediate eligibility for this coming year only, or is that the new normal? That actually is not official yet. That's only expected, unless you're a grad transfer. But that would be the new normal, assuming that legislation Gets passed. Uh, let's see. Um, do we do I, do I we think Joyner could possibly be better as a defensive player? I would say no. He's already moved around enough. He started – you know, that, that was a nice play against Kentucky. I think he used the entire offseason to get him settled in at receiver and go from there. Chris, do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think for Joyner, um, the next step for him – just continuing to learn how to play receiver. Here's what we know about him. When he's had the ball in his hands this season, he's shown the ability to make some things happen. I mm-hmm. think he almost – like you almost equate it to, if you want to use a basketball analogy, you know, people talking about moving without the ball. Playing with, yeah, playing without the ball. Playing without the ball, and, and that – I think that's the thing where he's got to get – he could get certainly better when you look at, back at the tape. You know, not that he's not engaged or anything like that, but just playing without the ball whether it's blocking, doing more to get open, you know, those are the things that, and look, to be fair, he doesn't have that receiver experience. So if he can continue to do those things, that would certainly help progress his game further. He has shown that when you scheme up ways to get him the ball, that he does have the ability to make some things happen in the open field.
1: Uh, Travis said, need to get Ortrey Smith back and then add another four-star to the mix. I will say this, I uh, – I need to confirm this with somebody else, but I did hear that Ortrey was at that team meeting when Beaver got
2: into that's town. Correct.
1: Okay, you heard the same. Okay, all right, he was. So there you go. That That's obviously, you know, in Ortrey, God, we, we saw what Ortrey could do as a true freshman playing just sort of thrown into the mix. So if he's back healthy and dedicated and good to go and has sort of had a full off season, that uh, could be helpful for South Carolina at the receiver position we'll see what they can do clearly that's a focus is it high school guys is it juco is it transfers really frankly it's probably all the above but we'll see what happens there um chris i say we
2: close it out you good to go good to go man we got a lot of work to do still
1: yeah appreciate all the degenerates on our chat hopefully we'll have a chat name for you soon but uh for chris i'm wes Come check us out at GameCockCentral.com. Until tomorrow, um, y'all have a good one. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to
0: LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today